When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. Uh, I'm Ben, and we've got our super producer, Noel the Plot Twist Brown, with us as always. Uh, a little, I'm interested to see how this one goes, man. I was going to say, you might be a little bit nervous today. Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous. Are you I'm nervous? nervous. Okay. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, uh, I'm, I'm empathizing with what you felt the last time we did this. Yeah, this is only the, the second time we've attempted this, and this is uh, just so that you listeners know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the second time we've done this. Last time was with uh, Barn Finds, right? Right, that Barn Find in Austin, just outside of Austin. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a topic that I am coming in here with uh, full knowledge of, mm-hmm. or, or at least you know, some <laughs> some knowledge of. I don't want to I want to over over promote this or anything, but um, I got some knowledge of this one. And um, Ben, you don't even know what we're going to talk about today. No idea. No idea. I haven't told you the topic. I haven't shown you anything. I haven't shared anything with you. Nope. Uh, this is just a, a cold start for you. So let's see how you handle this. I'm flying blind. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. And we'll see where this leads. We'll see how this uh, this all plays out here. It may or may not work. Um, all right. So I was on vacation recently, and I was uh, I was hanging out, uh, you know, just relaxing, soaking in some sun. And yeah. I thought, what am I going to talk with Ben about uh, this this upcoming episode? And I was just, it's killing me to think of like because we've got rules. Right. We've got certain rules right. that we can't we can't uh, um, apply to this uh, to this pocket. Or we do we do apply the rules. We can't talk about certain things. And these sure. are rules that you right away set down when we start talking about this, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you said no alternative fuels. Uh-huh. No, no uh, uh, flying cars. Yeah, flying cars. And the other one was autonomous vehicles. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's it, just because – it's not because we hate those. It's just because those three things in particular seem to continually have little updates mm-hmm. uh, that – we have usually covered in some way before. Oh, if you go back through our history, we have covered those three things. Uh, mm. I think pr- 
pretty extensively yeah, over, numerous times. over the past seven years because we, we try to keep up to date with the latest of what's mm-hmm. going on. So uh, that's the reason we don't talk about those three things. And, of course, flying cars is just because those make me so angry. Yeah, they're your Honda Odysseys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. All right. So here's the uh, here's the question for you, Ben. And this is the first time you're hearing this. Yep. All right. If you had the power to bring back one defunct American automaker brand or mark, which one would you choose and why? Now, this this requires quite a bit of thought. It's more than you initially think because you can you can make a snap decision about sure, this. Sure. Okay? Yeah. You can you can say um you could you can pick any brand you want and to say like oh I I really liked um the LaSalle. I, yeah. I would like it if LaSalle would come back right now and build cars uh, you know as they had back in the 1920s whenever I'll have to look up the the right. stats on that but um the the trick behind this though is that you got to kind of think about it this way. Let's say that the car company went out of business in the Great Depression, and a lot okay. of them did. I mean, yeah. a lot of these makers that we'll talk about, and I don't have exact stats on this because there are, it looks like thousands that are in front of me here. Mm-hmm. Um, but many of them went out of uh, out of business during, let's say, well, early 1900s. Yeah. There's a reason for that to happen. I mean, you know, financial, fire at the factory, you know, whatever it happened to be. Um, it's easy to get nostalgic about that brand and think, well, okay, well, I like the way the LaSalle looked back then. And I like what they were doing. How would that brand have evolved today? Right. What would they be building now? What type of vehicle would they be building now? And I know that's not exactly easy to pinpoint, but you can probably get close, uh, you know, a close guess at For the sure. types of vehicles that they would be making. Would it be a sports car company? Would it be a luxury brand? Would An economy be, car? Yeah. Would no. it be? Yeah. Would it be more of like a, a city car would vehicle? Would they do service vehicles? Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. So you know. When you think about your answer, think about it that way. And I, I'll be honest, right now, I've got a few contenders. I don't even know if I have one answer for this myself. Yeah. Um, so feel free to, to you know, think about several of these. And you don't have to have an answer right away because there's a few things I want to talk about first. We can, we can discuss back and forth. But just kind of mull that over in your head for the end uh, that maybe, you know, at the end come up with one that you would like to bring back, that you would like to resurrect. Okay. But before we continue, let me just say... You know I'm all about snap decisions. I shoot from the hip. Well, <laughs> I think I've got I've got some contenders in mind right now, but that is just again I'm flying blind, so I'm not going to say what they are yet okay. until we know all the things. You've already made a really good point about a ripple effect. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wait, are oh guys, uh, Scott's writing something down. I am writing something down, and I am sealing it in front of me. I'm, I'm so the Ben can't see. <laughs> this is like a uh, like a, a magic. Yeah, it's trick like a, that, that no one can see. You're like a mentalist. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm writing down a, a a brand. Do you know which one? I, I am. I'm guessing. Okay. And, uh, and I'm keeping it off to the side. Ben can't see it. Yep. And uh, we'll see if that matches up with what you say at the very end. But yeah. Um. What What should we consider? Well, uh, consider all the. Okay. Let's think about all this. All right. Um. There have been, and I don't even know if this number is right, but I would say a thousand. Uh, auto manufacturers from the United States that are that are defunct. If you look up the the list of defunct automobile manufacturers from the United States, under just the letter A, because they're alphabetical, right? Just the letter A. There's something like 150 car companies that have gone under. Now, some of these have made one or two cars. You know, they were they were early 1900 vehicles. They're they're the kind of one off vehicles that uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, you don't. Often think of. I mean, you don't think of the Able Car Company. You don't think of um, Alco or you know, something. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Aero Car Company, um, the Athens Fox Company. You know, things like that. You don't think about those. 
But you do think about AMC. You know, you do right. think about um, the Eagle brand. You do think mm-hmm. about uh, Willie's Overland. You think about yeah. you know, some of the bigger ones that were around for decades and then suddenly went away. And, and a lot of good reasons for those, again. Sure, yeah. We, uh, we know, for instance, that even now in the modern day, countries around the world and companies in those countries are struggling to perfect the art of making cars and making a profit from selling them. There's a lot that goes into it. And while when, when you see this list of massive uh, manufacturer casualties, and I'm so glad you pointed it out, Scott, because we came across this list earlier in a previous episode. We did. And we, we both spent a lot of time digging through it, which is one of the only reasons why I can name uh, well, I was like, oh, yeah, Alco, because I remember yeah. that one from that episode. Oh, sure, the Detroit Electric Company cars, you know, all those yeah. strange ones, like Checker, um, you know, cars that are that you may be familiar with even. You know, like Checker is one that I think a lot of people have seen. They've seen, uh, what about DeSoto? Yeah. And then, uh, what about, okay, here's here's a, a prime example of this. Now, you can find lists of these these car companies all over the place. And then, sure. And just so that everybody knows, you're you're looking at some lists right now. Because uh, I gave you the information. You're, you're checking stuff out in front of you in the computer there. And um, hopefully getting some ideas well, of what. Here's my promise. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but here's my promise. I am only looking at this list. I pulled up a list mm-hmm. of defunct cars. Yeah. But. Uh, that I don't think that really affects our our experiment here because we're going to see we're going to see if I if you've guessed correctly or if you're you're steering me toward this I'm I'm very into the idea of this as a magic trick okay so uh, so I promise I'm not going to look at anything else but this list oh that's okay because um, I hit you cold with this so that, you know whatever whatever you dig up now is fine but I've had the I've had the uh, luxury I guess of having the information ahead of time. So I have found several different lists of recent or dead, uh, defunct and bankrupt car companies from the United States. And these, I'm, I'm kind of keeping this to the United States because, of course, we know that there are Australian companies that have gone under, sure. there are European companies, oh, gone under, Asian amounts. companies, yeah. that, uh, you know, from all over the world, there are car companies that have gone under. Uh, but I'm keeping this uh, relatively easy and, and hanging with the United States here. And I can give you a list of, um, and I'm not going to read all these by any means, but I'm just going to hold this up so you can see it, Ben, and I'll tell our listeners. There's okay. uh, This is a list of defunct car companies just since 1960 here oh, in the wow. United States. Okay. And the list is a full page long. I don't know how many are here. Maybe, um, would you, if you had to guess, would you say 40, maybe 45, something like that? I would like say, that? yeah, I would say it's fair. Just, uh, little less than 50. Yeah, just ballpark. I mean, but some of the, the, the names on here. Now, of course, others that, you know, we, we've talked about in the past with vehicles that just failed, like uh, the Dale is listed here from 1974. Yeah. Now, you know, they never really produced any cars, but they were a car company that w- that is defunct. They were they were actually a car company for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, things like um, um, Aptera Motors, you know, what's recently went under 2011. We were still... Early on in our podcast, we were still hopeful that Aptera was going to come out with that crazy vehicle they had. That, oh, that yeah. super high-mileage vehicle. It looked right. Like, uh, it looked crazy. It looked a little too good to be true. They were really building vehicles, though, at some point. Yes, um, it is true. And uh, let's see. Some of the others here that you don't think about. Um, Edsel. Oh, we've talked about Edsel, right? Yeah. And now, that was a, a, a separate brand for the Ford Motor Company, and uh, only around for about two years, 1958 to 1960. But they invested a pile of money into that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Remember, mostly into the 
the uh, the advertising hype ahead of time, right, right, uh, right. which failed to deliver, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. So th- there's a lot of these. What about um, the Gaslight Company? Uh, from get this, 1960 to 1961, there was a Gaslight Car Company. Ooh, I know. I'll have to look I into never that. Never heard of some them. of these. You've never heard of. But what about? Uh, oh, here's Hummer. Oh yeah, yeah. Geo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Plymouth. There's also Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the bigger ones, you know, there's Oldsmobile. Oh uh, some man, of these are, these, too soon. Uh, these are big. These are big companies that are yeah. big, big brands, I guess, that right. went under. And you know, a lot of times, what happened was, and this is every case, but in in this case in particular, let's uh, let's take GM for example, and uh, Oldsmobile. I think maybe is Oldsmobile and Pontiac, really, if you want to think about it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, at one time, those brands had their own engines, and that was critical because they weren't right. sharing across other platforms like they do so often now in General Motors and other car companies for uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, for, for profitability. But think about Oldsmobile. They had the 400. They had the 455 big block. And Pontiac had their own um, Strato Streak engine, which was a 287 cubic inch V8. Uh, yeah. but, but they weren't sharing that among other uh, makes within General Motors' umbrella of car companies. It was almost so, proprietary. I- exactly right. But that only lasted for so long because even in the mid-1960s, um, they would, let's just take the uh, the Southgate California plant, for example, in the 1960s. They were rebadging a lot of these different uh, different vehicles. And by rebadging, I mean a lot of the parts were interchangeable. I know they were uh-huh. slightly different, but they were running on the same line. Um, oftentimes, uh, Buick, Olds, and Pontiac were all being built on the same assembly line. And later, from that same plant, from that uh, that Southgate plant, I believe they even added the Cadillac Seville's onto that same line. So they're coming right off the same factory line. They've got interchangeable parts. Basically, it's badging and maybe a couple of extra, um, you know, bells and whistles, some features for the Cadillac that didn't come on the, uh, you know, the Pontiac or the Olds or the Buick. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, among those three, there were some variations as well, but not a whole lot. Enough that. You could run them down one assembly line, and at the end, you could have all three different uh, brands or marks coming off of that uh, off of that line. Yeah, and eventually the fourth, the Cadillac. Yeah, um, that so makes sense. I know it's it's strange to think about that, but they said you know eventually, what's the point of running the Pontiac line? You know, if we're going to have you know the same product coming out, we can we can just concentrate, we can focus our attention onto other makes or other marks. And, uh, and we don't need Oldsmobile as well because, you know, we've got, uh, other, other, um, brands, I guess, that cover that, uh, that market or that. Yeah, they uh, don't want to overlap. That demographic. Yeah, they're competing. They become, uh, cannibalistic on themselves almost. They start yeah. competing with themselves for their own customer base and it becomes problematic. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. 
Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work. Done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Yeah, and it's it's strange because we have seen that happen um, multiple times in in the car industry, right? In the auto industry. Oh yeah, many many times yeah. that uh, they've decided that we're just going to simply shut down this uh, this arm of the company because um, again, it's just cannibalizing itself. It just doesn't make sense. We can we can focus our attention on that, and it will work. Um, hopefully, we'll retain our customers. You know, there's there's some that are going to say that are brand loyal that are just going to say. Hey, you're not making Pontiac anymore. I'm not buying General Motors products anymore. I'm going to shift completely over to. Uh, I'm going to be a Ford guy now. No, stop uh, me. Stop me if I'm jumping uh, ahead. Oh, sure. Uh, but there, there are a few other ways that a company could become defunct that are, uh, and many of these ways, strangely enough, are more complex than just going broke. Sure. Uh, a company could be sold mm-hmm. to another company or acquired, right? Yeah. And that happens. And sometimes what happens, it's very good for the brand, but. As is sadly, in my opinion, too often the case, when a larger company acquires a smaller auto manufacturer, it uh, it can be the death knell. I can give you a prime example of this. American Motors Corporation. Now, they were oh. active from about 1954 until about 1987. Mm-hmm. And here's basically what happened to uh, the American Motors Corporation. They were, they were purchased by Chrysler primarily because the, um, Lee Iacocca, when he was the CEO of Chrysler back in, uh, when was it, the 1980s, I think, right. um, he decided that he liked the Jeep division, and he wanted to purchase uh, American Motors because Jeep was part of American Motors at the time, mm-hmm. and he basically did away with everything else except for the Jeep division. And that's something you just don't think about. It's like all that, you know, every other uh, make, I guess, within American Motors was just done away with, and the Jeep was the only one that really hung in there. Too cold. Yeah, I mean, it is, but that that happens. I mean, there are other examples out there as well. So, um, I don't know. Where do you want to go with this, Ben? I've got I've got other examples. Think about Tucker. There's t- there's a good example, right? Tucker yeah. was one that, um, I guess it was the lawsuit, really. That, Tucker uh, was shut down by yeah. the big boys. Yeah, the, the uh, Secu- Securities and Exchange Commission that investigated him for stock fraud. Remember? Because he was um, set up. Yeah, he was selling dealerships, and he was selling, he was selling uh, what was it? He was selling stock in... The cars when he wasn't really building the cars yet at that point, although he kind of was. He was manufactured. He manufactured what fifty one cars, I think. I maintain that Preston Tucker was unjustly uh, accused of crimes he did not commit, and that the big three conspired. I'll say it conspired to bring him down. Wow, Ben, that's strong. But uh, that I think that kind of mirrors what we said in the episode, didn't we? <laughs> it does. Yeah, because we had a we had a pretty good. You know what? I'm going to just promote this because okay. I think our Preston Tucker episode was really good. The Tucker 48. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that episode a lot. Now, I know it's three-parter. So it's not for everybody. <laughs> but it. Uh, I, I think we really hit on just about everything 
surrounding that case and uh, and that character and that time and that vehicle and just what made it unique. Well, in th- with three whole episodes, we darn well have better. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you though that you can tell that I already am getting my dander up about that because I do believe strongly in that. Uh, another another way that a car company can be shut down will be due to entirely external factors, right? Beyond their control. That's what we're talking about. So like Tucker is a great, I think one of the most dramatic examples of that, but another example of that would be Hummer. Hummer's, um, Hummer's demographic, right? What they were buying was this thing that was power and it was status and it worked as long as gas was below a certain threshold. So when gas prices spiked, that really made things, that made things different for every thirsty vehicle. Yes. But Hummer being the, one of the most thirsty was, uh, a, by which I mean, I'm, I'm only saying consumer vehicles, not large service vehicles, which of course have a entirely different relationship with fuel, but people who were happy having a Hummer at what would you say, Scott? Two dollar gas, maybe? Yeah, maybe even up to two fifty. Maybe up to two fifty. Yeah, but four dollars, three fifty. Then they begin to rethink about taking that vehicle up to the uh, the cabin in the woods. Right. Um, it, you know, it, it becomes a lot more difficult to fill a tank for four dollars a gallon when it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to ballpark this. Ben, is it like a thirty gallon tank? It's, it's got to be a pretty big tank. It's yeah. got to be a huge tank. Yeah. To fill a, uh, a huge tank like that at four dollars a gallon is a is a much bigger undertaking than filling a. Uh, the same size tank at 250, and a lot of people realize that um, late in the early—I don't know if I could say that—late in the 2000s, I guess maybe, yeah. um, 2007, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. But in the early 90s, it wasn't so much an issue. In fact, the vehicles were bigger in the early 90s. I mean, right. they, they progressively got smaller uh, as they approached 2010 and their ultimate demise. I mean, we got to the H3; it was really like um, it was enclosed, mm-hmm. but it was like a big pickup truck. Yeah, it was going that way, and the whole market was going that way. We saw a lot of uh, the typically uh, high-selling, uh, very, very powerful pickup trucks, right, and SUVs. We saw a lot of them see a dip in sales. Uh, it might have even touched the uh, F-150, which is like the uh, the the king of pickup trucks, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you think you think it would have uh, it would have hedged in on their uh, on their numbers? I mean, you think it would have. Uh because it, it, it would take a lot to knock the F-150 out. No, of I, I don't think it was significant, but I think they probably felt a little bit of the of the heat from the kitchen. You know, probably because it was an attractive package when it was yep. a, when when fuel was was uh, I guess affordable. When, <laughs> you know, when it was when it was in the two dollar range, or maybe even lower than two dollars, because I can remember in the early nineties, I want to say that it was probably in you know a dollar, you know, and, and change. Yeah. Instead of being, you know, again, four dollars, uh, as it was three or four years ago, maybe three years ago. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good point. But, uh, also, I'm not saying that Hummer's bad. It's just that they didn't, they were not the right car for that time. Interesting little light at the end of the tunnel by way of a tangent. Uh, Scott, you know <laughs> that once gas prices relaxed a little bit, deflated, uh, and we'll see how long that lasts. But once, once that happened, mm-hmm. the sales, of those larger, more powerful vehicles started ticking right back up. Ah, uh, you know what? That's not surprising to me. That's I mean, surprising to me. We're a fickle bunch, aren't we? Wouldn't you Google something? Yeah, you would <laughs> think so. You would think that, uh, you know, 
you might realize that, yeah, the prices are going to go back up soon, and uh, you're still going to be stuck with that giant truck or SUV or whatever. But you know what? Some people have to have a vehicle like that, and I'm sympathetic to that. I I know that if you're going to pull a trailer or you're going to pull a boat or you need it for farm work or you have a large family, you have to have a big vehicle. Some people just do it simply for safety, and they're willing to pay that premium for that, and I don't blame them one bit. I mean, I think it's fantastic they're going to do that. But, like, for me, I guess I'd kind of look around and try to find something that's uh, kind of a compromise, I suppose. You know, that's that's, uh, safe, it's efficient. You know, sure, I don't want to pay a ton of money. I don't want to buy something that gets very low fuel mileage Mm -hmm. um, or fuel has low fuel economy. Um, But um, I I I think the fuel cost is maybe lower on the totem pole than uh, some of the other stuff. I mean, I'm more concerned with safety. Um, I'll be honest, appearance, performance, (laughs) all that stuff really plays into it as well. But You've also got to factor in your own personal needs. And if that includes pulling something huge, like a, you know, a flatbed trailer with another vehicle on it, yeah. you're going to have to have a big truck. Yeah, and, your, uh, your Geo Metro is not going to cut. No, the, and that Hummer is a fantastic choice, really. I mean, yeah. but uh, then again, do you want to pay that price for fuel for something that, you know, brand new from the factory gets eight miles to the gallon? Ooh, man. A lot, of, a lot of people don't, and a lot of people didn't, and that's what happened. So in 2010, yeah. they were gone. So, uh, these are several reasons, I think we're on the same page about this, that uh, some of the more common reasons that a car company can fold. Now, in other cases, uh, it can be due to <laughs> criminal activity. It can be due to low quality of a car. There are a bunch of other things we haven't named. And I can think of so many examples that we've talked about over the years that yeah. fit right into criminal activity, right. other things, uh, you know, like a fire on the uh, – here's one. I clicked on one uh, earlier, and I can't find it because, I'll, I'll be honest, there's so many – uh, defunct car companies that I'm looking at right now on this list. I mean, if you haven't looked up the list already, I encourage you to do so. It will, uh, it will boggle your mind. It's, it's huge. Uh, but I clicked on one in the A's and I don't remember which one it was, but it said that, uh, you know, it was a promising new car company that, uh, you know, they had a, a factory fire early on. The yeah. company had been around for about two years. They were just ready to produce cars, starting to produce cars mm-hmm. and uh factory fire destroyed not only the building, but, of course, all of the uh, the office space and everything along with it and the machinery that they use to build the cars. So, um, you know, again, where do you start over from there? You can't start over from there. Yeah. Uh, and you, you've just invested your entire lifetime into this thing. Yeah. Um, and we're talking, like, this was one from, I think it was like 1902 or something. And the overhead is so big. The margins can be so slim. It's it's very, very difficult to grow. Oh, absolutely. Imagine the, uh, just the, the logistics of starting your own car company. Now, I know, and a lot of them were pre-World War One. Right. It was a lot easier back then to start sure. something like that, but it still required quite a bit of capital. You had to have quite mm-hmm. a bit of money up front to buy the machinery, to buy the land, to have the people that were competent enough to do this with you. Um, you had to be, you know, confident in their, in their abilities. You had to be confident that they were good for, you know, their word was good, uh, that they were going to actually produce. Now, Henry Ford will, roll over in his grave uh, and and probably shout at me from somewhere far off uh, when he hears me say this, but there's a lot of luck involved too. And to say otherwise, it's true that luck luck by itself is never going to be enough. No, no, no. You have to, uh, you have to produce a quality product. And right. just, just here's one example of that, Ben. Yeah. Uh, just, and this, this does encompass other, uh, well, another continent. I mean, I, okay. I know we said we were going to stick okay. with uh, with U.S. cars or brands only, but just for this example, I want to tell you: by 1900, um, remember when I said 
that steam-powered vehicles were at one time more popular than uh, the internal combustion-powered engines. Yeah, it makes more sense. They were an understood technology. Exactly right. So by 1900, there were more than 125 steam-powered car companies in the U.S. and Europe. Now, that's not cars. Uh It's steam-powered car companies creating steam-powered cars. At 125, now that's between the U.S. and Europe, so I understand we were talking about U.S. only, but um, Stanley was basically the lone survivor out of that whole mix. Yeah, Stanley Steamer. They were very popular, but they were also, um, you know, very credible. They also had a, a good deal of street cred, I guess. Right. Uh, because they were, uh, for a steam-powered vehicle in the early 1900s, they were, they were reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did exactly what they promised. They were fast. They were efficient. They were um, everything that people wanted. Um, relatively easy to use if you consider a steam-powered vehicle easy to use, which they're definitely not. Yeah. Uh, but they were kind of like the lone survivor out of that. And there, I know there were other smaller ones along the way, but that was the big one. That was the one that remained. And they hung around basically until, um, you know, internal combustion engines, uh, you know, gasoline-powered, I guess. Um, the gasoline-powered option just became uh, simply cheaper. It was more cost-effective right. for a family to buy a gasoline-powered vehicle than it was to run a steam-powered vehicle. Because the, the market scale. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's the reason that they went under. Um, but just, I mean, that just gives you a, a, a glimpse of how many vehicles or how many car companies there were around and how many there have been in the past. And again, look at the list. I would be willing to wager that there's uh, 1,500 car companies here. Yeah, easily. I, I would guess. I mean, it's just a ballpark, but I think that's about right. I think it's more than a 1,000. And... I think, if you're okay with it, Scott, first off, let me say, this is a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've still been thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time for us to start giving our answers, because I know you have a few contenders, too. But before we do, it's time for a word from our sponsor. This summer, click into Memorial Day Savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back. Scott. Scott. Yes. Mi amigo. I've got to say, I am... I'm interested. I'm scooting to the edge of my seat oh, because boy. I got to know your picks, and I wonder if uh, I wonder if I can guess a few. Okay. Uh, is it is it disingenuous of me to say that I've got a few when I asked you to pick one? No, not at all. Because it, we both know that it's very difficult to pick one of anything, especially in this kind of question. <laughs> so I picked. I, I have a couple. So okay. So let's say three. <laughs> if I could bring three. back three. Okay. Right, is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't even have to go three, but if you want to go two or whatever, that's I'm going fine. three. I'm four, taking every spot. Four. You could even take four, Ben. I'm I'm that generous. Wow, man. Yeah. I, I, I know. You're okay, having a so, good day, huh? So how about this? Let's say <laughs> I'll, I'll say three. And okay. uh, my first one. This may be a surprise. I don't know. All right. Duesenberg. Duesenberg, yeah, huh? Yeah, Duesenberg. Now, they were a high-end manufacturer. I mean, very high-end Custom coach builders, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Duesenberg was around from uh, 1913 to about 1937. They were built in Auburn, Indiana. And uh, they had a couple of different models. Uh, they had the, the Duesenberg Model A. They had the Duesenberg Model J. They had the yeah. Model SSJ. Uh, but they were an American luxury automobile from the, right from the very beginning. And uh, the problem was, <laughs> this is, a, I guess, a bad problem to have, or not a bad problem to have. Um, they were too big, too fast, too hard to make. They were just uh, too expensive overall. I mean, it was just a difficult vehicle to make because yeah. it, it really did have a lot of quality. It was a, uh, it was a great big, um, beautiful, beautiful coach work on this vehicle. I'm um, mm-hmm. just, a, just an outstanding car, and I like them a lot. I, I've seen them at um, uh, concourse types of events, sure. and I just love the looks of them. Now, what they would have evolved to, uh, you know, that's the question that I asked you. I think that, of course, they would have, uh, you know, I think they would have evolved along the lines of Rolls-Royce. I think that it would have stuck similar to that in that they probably would have gone with, um, uh, even gone sportier, maybe. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, like Rolls, some of these Rolls-Royce cars have 700 horsepower. They have uh, an incredible amount of torque. I know Bentley is like that as well. Yeah. Um, probably more so Bentley than Rolls-Royce, but... Um, the luxury would be more like Rolls Royce or, you know, with a bespoke department. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they would have mirrored that in some way. So, so Duesenberg is probably my first choice as for one to bring back. All right. Duesenberg, you know, what surprises me about that is that most of our listeners would probably think I, I would be more likely to pick that one. Hmm. This is a deep cut, Scott. Oh, uh, yeah. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what's next? Oh, next. Oh, you want me to go again? Yeah. All right. Uh, oh boy. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to say Pontiac. Pontiac? Yeah, Pontiac. And uh, the reason, well, I'll tell you, first, the, the general stats, I guess. Okay. Uh, Pontiac was founded in 1926. It went defunct in 2010. So while we were doing this podcast is when this one went away. Yeah. And uh, I found that uh, the cars that Pontiac was putting out towards the end, some of the last vehicles that they were uh, developing or, or uh, releasing, you know, some of them were actually uh, released already, like the G8. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, the, of course there's the solstice and all that, you know, they were, they were out there as well. But, um, I found some of their, their, uh, final products to be some of the most exciting that they had come out with. And, uh, and Ooh. I think that if they had continued, if they would have been allowed to, uh, to continue down that path, um, I think it would have been a, a much more interesting brand in the next few years, uh, that 
you know, they, they had lost some steam, I guess, in the early 2000s, and they just never quite recovered. But they were starting to, and that's mm-hmm. when GM sacked the division. Ah, uh, see, that's okay. So, confession, Pontiac was also on my list mm-hmm. uh, for a little bit of a different reason and a nostalgic one. Uh, the Pontiac Bonneville, made from 1957, 2005. Uh, as a kid in my younger days, I... I pushed not one, but two Pontiac Bonnevilles. And, uh, they were both around the same year, I want to say. But man. Wait, you pushed them? Sorry, I'm using slang. <laughs> I drove them. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant you physically pushed them. I did, I only did have to push one once that's off a, the road. That's I, a big car. Yeah, I, I hit, uh, I hit some, uh, nails in the road. And I should have known because you've talked about the Bonneville several times. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you, you're definitely a fan. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I wasn't the most popular guy in high school. I'll be honest with you, but that Bonneville, the first one, changed my life uh and it and the interior is huge it's a very smooth ride yeah. i got it from my grandfather it's very much an old man's car yeah. no offense to anybody uh who disagrees but that that i believe it was an old man's car it was comfortable it was like i was in a lazy boy i was in a, a little studio apartment made entirely out of lazy boy and the engine itself not a joke you know uh the if you if you pushed it uh, it would respond with uh, a surprising amount of power. Oh, sure. Able to climb those uh, Tennessee hills, right? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to have something like that. You had to have a big V8 or something that was at mm-hmm. least capable of getting up those steep inclines. So uh, so that's a great now, choice. I, that is not the one that I wrote down on the paper. No, no. I, no. I, I, so I, I will see if, I, if I'm going to yeah, zero yeah. in on this one. Uh, okay, one so. last point, though, if we're still sure. talking about ripple effects with Pontiac, I sure. do agree that Pontiac overall would have – if they had more of a runway, they could have done some some really exciting stuff. However, uh, the Bonneville itself, with the fuel economy that it has, I think would have had to be radically redesigned or would have been cut anyway. Because they, they stopped, you know, in 05 and uh, Pontiac soldiered on without the Bonneville till what, 2010, you said? 2010. Yeah, yeah. so this, I think this is a car for another time. But man, this is one of my one of my favorite times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Scott, one time uh, I was I, like, it changed my dating life. You know? Oh, I bet. Because people, were, oh wow, nice car, and uh, you know, as long as they don't say, yeah, I got it from my grandfather. <laughs> you don't have to add that. No, no, no. no I was I, just learning how to how how the dating game goes that time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to add that extra information. Just uh, keep it simple. Right? I mean, it wasn't a Trans Am, but I was trying. Okay, I understand. I, understand. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, all right, what do you have next? Oh, okay, and this is uh, this is maybe this, I guess this will be my last one since I'm I'm going to limit myself to three. I think. Okay. Maybe another surprise. Um, the Stutz. I w- and, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, tell me uh, why. I know that's a, it's, a, it's an obscure choice, <laughs> yeah. but I'll tell you why. Because in 19, between a 1911 and 1935, that's when the Stutz Motor Company was active. Um, Indianapolis, Indiana, that's where they were based. Yeah. Um, they were America's first sports cars. Uh, uh so, you know, they, they, I mean, the Bearcat, of course, this was the one that raced in Indianapolis mm-hmm. early on. Um, they broke a lot of land speed records. Uh, they were, a lot of them were converted into street cars. You could get a Stutz, you know, Bearcat for the street. Um, they were really low slung. They were, um, they had something like 80 horsepower, I think. 
Um, they had to close because of the Great Depression. I mean, the, the Depression is the uh, the deciding factor here. That's what shut them down. Yeah. And if they had continued to make cars, now imagine what Stutz could have become later on. Now I know that there were, I think there were cars that used the Stutz name later. I believe some uh, some one-off vehicles uh, that that used that. But didn't didn't Elvis have one? Am I, I'm going to I think it's, I think he may have. I think he did. And there was some weird story behind that one yeah. too, wasn't there? Like uh, it was offered to someone else. Um oh shoot. I, there's a there's a story there with the Stutz, I know. Late, that's like late in the 1960s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um but anyways, there's a um there's an interesting thought, I guess, that you know, or at least to me anyways, that if this, you know, that this Producer of America's first sports cars were still around. What kind of cars could they be making by now? If they had, if they had yeah. honed, honed their craft from 1911 all the way through, you know, 2015, what would yeah. Stutz look like right now? Because they would have kept with the time. So I, I wonder just what direction they would have taken. Would they have been exotic? Mm-hmm. Would they be more like, um, uh, would they have developed into more of like a luxury sports car? I, right. I don't know. I just I can't picture where they would be right now. But I th- I kind of tend to believe that they would be more on the uh, on the pure sports car side. Yeah, I think they would be more sports car like, than luxury. And I want to say like, and this would be interesting too. Like, imagine if they had had decided to go like the pure sports car route, like um like Lotus has, right? Uh, you know where it's uh, refine the weight, you know, keep that down, keep it, keep everything very simple, the engineering very clean, very very crisp, um, just keep it down to the bare minimum. And it's a driver's vehicle. I just wonder if Stutz could be something like that, or if they would have gone maybe the other side, where it's like um, you know an Aston Martin or something like that, where it's it's refined and it's it's luxury, but it's still a sports car. Yeah. Underneath all that, you know. Yeah. I, I wonder, but I, I thought that uh, Stutz was an interesting choice, and and that's why I picked it. I you know I am surprised that that choice really did surprise me. All these choices are. Uh, I'm I'm just glad I'm not the one trying to predict choices here because I would <laughs> I would have thought so. A little bit differently. It really, okay, well, good. So is this your final pick? Uh, I have two. Okay. Cause so I have three. Because I did Pontiac specifically for nostalgia of the Bonneville. Okay. Uh, knowing full well that the Bonneville would not exist even if Pontiac did today. All right. Well, I am out of picks. Uh, those are, those are my All three. Right, here we go. The first one, which you, uh, you already know what I'm going to say, Scott. And Noel, you probably do too. And listeners, I'm sure you know from my earlier soapbox stand I took in this episode. It is absolutely Tucker Auto. Oh, Tucker. Absolutely Tucker. That's one of my seconds. I feel like it's just so easy because I stand by it. But let's see if you get this one. And I think you probably did. And I think you might even know why. Packard. You wrote Packard. You got it. I am revealing the card. And yes, (laughs) I, I wrote Packard early in this episode knowing that Ben has a love for Packard automobiles in particular. Uh, you have sort of a dream. Yep. That someday you're going to buy an old Packard and give it to your dad. Yep, that's yep. a great that's a great thought. Now I'm not going to I, I you can't hold you to something like that because that's a that's a very grand thing to a grand gesture. It's yeah, it's, and it's difficult. Tough. It's getting tougher and tougher every year yeah. because they're getting more and more expensive. A oh, lot I know, are. I know, I check. Or <laughs> or you know they're becoming uh, I guess the ones that are run down that you know if you're going to restore it. Yeah. They're, the ones that you're thinking of are becoming more and more, I guess, derelict. You know, and yeah. they're becoming more and more rusted out and and worn and to down. To the point where you have to ask if you can save if you can save the chassis and well, the frame. Ben, so now's the time. You got to jump right now. 
because it's 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 optimum, right? <laughs> and right now would always be the optimum time, right? Because, right. Because the longer the restoration projects go, the worse they get. Yeah. The, the longer the ones that are restored go, the more valuable they become. Right. If you can still buy them. So that makes any point in time when you're thinking about it the the time to jump, the time to do it. You know, one one thing that's uh one one thing that's funny about this. First off, Scott, I have to say I'm honestly impressed. I thought you would get it, but I I thought maybe you would get it, but uh. You hit the nail on the head, and you remembered the reason why. I will be honest that in uh, I don't know, you know, a week or two ago, whenever I was thinking about yeah. this as a, as a potential, yeah. I knew then what you were going to <laughs> If if you only had to choose one, it probably would have been that one, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because it makes it easier for me to accomplish that I life mean, goal. It's a company that was around for a long time, from 1899 mm-hmm. to 1958. They were based in Detroit, Michigan. Yep. Um, they were uh, again American luxury car. It was uh, it was just something that just couldn't hang on uh, past the late 1950s. Um, yeah, founded by a couple of brothers, uh, just like so many other car companies. Yeah, and the thing is that in 1954, it was purchased by Studebaker. So I know that you know that move right. happened. Uh, but what happened was it, it kind of alienated the luxury buyers that went along with, uh, Packard because this is now a, a Packard that's, that's made by Studebaker. Yeah, it's like, it's brand dilution. Yeah, I guess it, it, um, in a way, I, I don't know if you can use the term suffer or not, but, uh, maybe that's, that's the way to say, it. I mean, it, it, it harmed it. I guess it harmed sure. its reputation. It tarnished yeah. the reputation of it. And, uh, by 1958, they just couldn't hang on anymore. They weren't selling enough Packards. Uh, to be able to make it. If Packard was still around, then I think it would have been a slightly upmarket luxury brand. I don't, I think the, the buy from Studebaker, uh, would still be a lot for them to try to walk past. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like if, um, if Kia for some reason bought, uh, Bentley or something, and then someone else bought Bentley and tried to revive Bentley, right? Yeah. Then uh, what? It would be tough for Bentley to walk back from that. Okay, but that lends this question, Ben. Ah, uh, yes. All right. So there is a uh, there's a company that owns uh, some, I guess, exotic and some luxury brands that a lot of people wouldn't guess, and that's Volkswagen. Right. Um, they have Audi, Bentley, Lamborghini. Yeah, Bugatti. Bugatti. Yeah, some of the some of these really high end. Uh, vehicles now, does that tarnish their reputation in that Volkswagen owns them, or does that really not matter? I mean, it's just the parent company. They're kind of letting them operate on their own. Yeah, They're yeah. Letting them do their own thing, uh, but they do report back to Volkswagen AG, I guess you know, or, or Volkswagen Group. Yeah, Group. Yeah, Volkswagen Group as uh, as like the uh, the parent company. Yeah. So, what does that do for the reputation? Would that would that be the same thing as if as if Studebaker had held on to? Uh, Packard? You know, what's interesting about that question, and I like that you phrase it, and you, you picked up where I was going with Bentley too. The, uh, the, the question here is, does it matter as much now as it did then? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of difficult for me at least to, to extrapolate where Packard would be now if it continued, you know? Mm-hmm. Or even who would own it. What if Packard and Studebaker were bought? Well, well okay, think about this. Studebaker was the largest wagon manufacturer in the world. Um, you know, before, like, this is before the horseless carriage business. So, you know, uh, around 1902, I think, is when they started actually building battery-powered cars and, you know, things like that. So they've been yeah. in the game a long, long time. They've got a, an established reputation. It's a, it's a good company. Um, but what was it about, you know, Studebaker buying Packard, 
that led people to think like that's not really the quality that I'm looking for here. Was it because they were a luxury mark and Studebaker wasn't considered a luxury mark at that time? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was because it was the opposite of uh, Packard was sort of a quality known for its quality, whereas Studebaker was more so known for its quantity. Yeah, that could be it. I, I, I can see your point there. All right. So uh, just something to ponder, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, does, does that parent company really tarnish the reputation of the brands that are that are under that umbrella? I can't believe you. I, I, I'm I am impressed that you at the beginning of the episode said, hang on and wrote down Packard. Oh, you yeah, know, I'm like a, I'm like a Las Vegas show. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have put it, I should have suspended it above the studio in a box where everybody could see it, or at least yeah. you and Noel could see it. Right, yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, somehow, uh, I don't know, made the box, uh, made the paper around the box flame up or something. Yeah, like something a dramatic. fog machine. Yeah, yeah. I uh, really need to, I need to up my stage presence. Well, this is a starting point. <laughs> I guess it is. But, uh, done. I mean, that was, uh, done. I, I had actually picked that, like I said, a couple weeks ago, yeah. and I was pretty sure, um, <laughs> based on the, the whole nostalgia thing. And right. All that. But, yeah. uh, but I'll tell you the, uh, the Pontiac Bonneville, that was a bit of a surprise, but I should have thought of that one as well. I don't know why Pontiac didn't come up in my, uh, in my thoughts. Oh, process. you got Pontiac though. Uh, I, I picked that on my own though. Right. But, right. But not for the same reasons. Uh, well, listeners, now we are going to throw it to you. Uh, what defunct, car company would you like to see brought back uh oh and you know what let's be fair pick up to three yeah and i'm, I'm making an american car company because that's the game we we're playing today and maybe who knows maybe we'll play this in the future with other other uh continents i guess sure uh, yeah that'd be kind of fun this is a fun game to play i which, like uh, which cars from behind the iron curtain would you bring back? oh boy yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah so uh let us know on facebook and twitter check out our website carstuffshow.com if you want to uh hear some of the uh, older episodes we inevitably refer to at times. And if you want to write in with your picks, uh, suggestion for a future topic, or hey, just to say, hello, look at this car I saw. We love that when people send pictures of uh, the weird and notable vehicles they see. Well, the good news is you can do that right now. I mean, unless you're driving or something. You can do that today. Our email address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings for the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. 
how doers get more done.